And I went to the biggest church in the area. I thought all churches were as great as the church that I started going to when I was in middle school. But I showed up in shorts and some flip-flops. And I think at the time maybe I had one or two tattoos and people stared a lot. And I felt very judged and I felt very unwelcome. Like I was a fraud in my faith and I felt awful. So that Monday I walked to my academic advisor, Dr. Roberts, and I said, hey, I think I need to change my major to pastoral ministry. I think God's telling me to plant a church one day. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church YSM. We hope you enjoy these stories. Thank you so much for listening to the Your Story Matters podcast, a podcast where people from Collective sit down and share their stories. And they talk honestly and vulnerably, and they share the highs and lows of life, ups and downs, and ultimately how they've seen God working in and through those things. And um, we have been doing this for 50 plus weeks. And um, we made the announcement just a few weeks ago at Collective that we have decided to do a season two. And so let me say this really quickly. If you have been listening to this podcast and you're a part of Collective, and you want to share your story, um, I would love to sit down with you and give you the space to do that. And so if you're interested in signing up, you head to www.mycollective.church slash YSM, or you can open up the Church Center app, click on Your Story Matters, and you can sign up there. Uh, We already have about 14 or 15 people signed up for season two, um, but we would love to have more. And we would love to have so many people sign up that we even have to consider a season three at some point. Um, But this has been an incredible journey, and um, I have enjoyed sitting down with people in this church um, and hearing their stories and watching the impact that it has on Collective. For today, the reason why I'm so excited is that I'm sitting down with my wife, Ray, and we are going to share Collective's story and how we got here Um, I think oftentimes people show up at Collective and they see us in this nice building and, um, you know, we do these really fun things and they kind of see all the people and all the baptisms and, um, but a lot of people don't know how we got here. And um, to say it was a bumpy road would probably be an understatement. Um, And so we want to share part of that story with you all today. And so, Ray, thank you for sitting down on the podcast with me and being a part of this. You know, thankful for you to be here and and to share some of your story and then ultimately as we share this story together. Um, But before we get to kind of us meeting, let's jump back in time. Again, first question on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about um, your childhood, where you grew up, um, what was faith like growing up? And um, I guess the, the kicker would be, did you ever think that you would one day help be a part of a church plant um, because I doubt that was part of the thought in the past. Definitely not. (laughs) 
So I grew up all over. We moved a lot when I was young, especially. Um, I was born in Minnesota. We moved to New York, to Detroit, to Connecticut, to Wisconsin. Um, We ended up in Indiana for a pretty long amount of time um, from late grade school all the way up until my senior year of high school. And then we moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee, my senior year of high school. So grew up all over the place. um, But which really quickly, everyone always asks, was your dad in the military? He was not. Yeah. (laughs) He was working his way up in the business world. And um, so when he got promotions, they would move him to different locations. And so we'd pack up and move. Um, So it was always a new place and kind of like a new adventure is the way we always talked about it. So, but during all of that, um, faith was always a part of it. So church was always a big part of our lives. My parents, I think when they decided to have kids, they were like, okay, we're going to go to church and like, we're going to make, you know, church a part of what we do. So we, we went to different kinds of churches. Um, there was not like one denomination that was like our denomination. So when we would move, they would visit different churches. And when we got older, we would visit with them and try out those churches and see like just where it felt right but we were always really involved and especially when we were in indiana because we were there for so long we were very involved in that church there you know youth group and my dad sang in the praise band band, which they had a (laughs) band name they had a band name um it was not in vain yeah we have that cd somewhere in our house yeah there there is a cd my dad would be mortified if he knew yeah 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 so you would say that when people ask you where you grew up, you say all over the place, but mm-hmm. Indiana was the place where you probably spent like the most important years. Yeah, my formative years yeah. where, you know, I went through middle school, which I'm a middle school teacher. So like those are very formative yeah. years. You kind of figure out who you are and become like the person that you will be during those years. And then most of high school, I was there as well. Yeah. So. And you were in a small town in Indiana um, that nobody knows about, which is Shelbyville. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say that, people are like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. And you're like, you're a liar. Yeah. Like, you haven't heard of that <laughs> no, before. it's very small. <laughs> what was, like, faith-like and church-like during that time? Because you, you guys were very involved. But mm-hmm. for you personally, what was that like? Um, so, I mean, w- when I was young, it was really it was obviously really important because it was just a big part of our lives. I don't know that, like, I really understood why it mattered. But then in middle school, um, we always did, you know, church camp every summer. And there was one year at church camp where it just kind of hit me and, like, I got it. Um, and I said, I think I want to be baptized. And so uh, we came back, you know, home. And then that Sunday at church, I was baptized. Um, and so that's when it became a little bit more real for me. I definitely went through like phases in high school where like I had my doubts and I wasn't really sure and I was figuring it all out, but like I came back to that. So yeah, I mean, it's always, you know, like any relationship, like you have ups and downs, um, but Jesus has always been there. Yeah. So after Indiana, you guys move to Chattanooga, which was just for one semester. It was for the last semester of my senior yeah. year. Yeah. You know, and faith is a part of your life, and you guys found a new church down there, which mm-hmm. I would say was a terrible church, <laughs> by the way. Like, I just feel like I need, it was awful. <laughs> it uh, was a very traditional Southern Baptist yeah, church. Yeah, it was all white. Yeah. The people there, I think, like, what drew my parents to that church was that the people there were so kind and, and welcoming. Mm-hmm. And so while it was, like doctrinally and 
in a lot of ways not the greatest Mm -hmm. the community of people was very kind sure so but that's not really like a springboard where you're like i want to go to a christian school you know it just wasn't oh sure it was very sterile feeling i actually decided to go to milligan before i moved to tennessee okay yeah i don't know if you knew that um (laughs) well i don't know i mean i know you visited oh yeah because then your parents moved yeah and they were like closer to you yeah. And you're like, oh, that wasn't really... It wasn't... I actually wanted to move far away from yeah. home. Like, I, you know, I wanted my independence. And so when I was when I was in high school, um, through, like, the ups and downs of my faith and, like, figuring out, you know, who Jesus was to me and, like, why that mattered, you know, I came to the decision that, like, this was going to be important to me. I decided I want to go to a Christian school. And, you know, I had seen and been to like universities and like seeing the culture there and the life and I was just it was something that I felt like okay I could get drawn into this and I know myself and I don't want to be drawn into that life I want to you know make good decisions and yeah. not bad decisions yeah. <laughs> so um in a you know moment of brilliance we'll say I chose okay I'm going to look at some Christian colleges um brilliance because it brought me to you obviously yeah Yeah. well and you you weren't a lot of people think you go to a Christian college because you want to be working at a church which wasn't the case no I never I never really wanted like I wanted to continue having church as a part of my life because it was really important and um Jesus obviously really mattered to me but I did not want to work at a church. I yeah. just, I knew that the, you know, regular college university lifestyle was not something that I wanted to partake in. Yeah. We'll say. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, for you personally, it was more of a, this is a wiser decision for me. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, Milligan, and I'll, I'll jump back in a second and share how I got to Milligan, but um, we actually met in line during some weekend like it's like connections connections weekend, weekend. there you go yeah. and that's where to be honest it was the first time i'd ever been on campus because i went to milligan sight unseen um, but we were in line to get our pictures taken for our class ids mm-hmm. and you and your mom mm-hmm. were right behind me and my mom mm-hmm. and my mom asks me and she's like are you gonna smile in your picture and i'm an i'm a 19 year old just angry <laughs> angry person at the time and I don't know if I'd smiled in a picture in years um, <laughs> every once in a while my mom will post pictures on social media of like for like birthdays and stuff and every time you look at it you're like you were just so sad so angry, so angry. Um, <laughs> my heart breaks for little Michael yeah so my mom asked are you gonna smile in the picture and I was like absolutely not and you said... I overheard her say uh-huh. that. And I said, you should smile in your picture. And then I went on to explain some Your brother nonsense. and how he never smiles in his picture. Yeah. And I just thought, do not tell me what to you do. You were like, butt out, lady. So I did not smile in my picture. It was love at first sight. Yeah, yeah. It was God-ordained. <laughs> um, but what's funny is on the way home that day, my mom was like, man, that girl was so pretty. And I was like... Oh, I don't like girls with short hair. Like, <laughs> what is that? Like, one, my mom and I at that time didn't have like a close relationship where I was going to talk about like cute girls, <laughs> um, you know. But it was just one of these weird things that you know we had this like weird bump in, is what I'd put it. Because we'll talk a little bit more about how we actually got together. But you know, we ran into each other in line, and who knew that here we would be today, married, two kids. 
sharing in a podcast together. Yeah. So. No, we actually like we met many more times yeah. after that, and every time you were aware that we had already mm-hmm. met, but I was not aware that we had already met. I remember that moment yeah. where I told the boy in front of me to smile, but I don't remember that it was you. Yeah. Even now, like in front of you, staring at you, the person that I said that to, I cannot picture. You can't even just like pretend to put me there. Like AI I mean, I can't. I can like in my imagination okay. put you there, but in my actual memory, it's just a blank face. What's funny is the next time we met, <laughs> I do I, remember we, thinking you were cute. Oh, though. thank you, thank you. That's why um, I talked to you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time to share the whole story of this. The second time we met was after me and a few of my friends had popped out of a sewer on campus oh, yeah. and we were running from the cops mm-hmm. and you were sitting on the stairs. And I was actually on the phone with my high school uh-huh. boyfriend at the time. Yeah. yeah. And and we met that time and then the next time we met you were dressed as a pirate. I was. And you said something in pirate talked to me mm-hmm. and I was like Again, love. Just fell in like love. Like all three of these times are so extreme. <laughs> I had an eye patch you did. and a sword. Yep. So we had yeah. found a costume box in one of the closets. Christian school people. It's yeah. Weird. What yeah. else are you gonna do on a Friday night? Because really, <laughs> that's what it was. But the first few times we met, we're like very specific, and you're like, "Who?" Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> that's so true. I should remember those bit, times. I met bit. a lot. I, I mean, in my defense, I met a lot of people while I was dressed as a pirate. No, stop. I met There's a lot so many of people. Other things that happened. All right. <laughs> so eventually we meet, but let me jump back to to how I got to Milligan. You know, and I share the story sometimes at collectives. So this is a little bit of the abridged version. But um, my family childhood is kind of the opposite of yours in that um, my parents didn't grow up going to church. My mom shared on episode one, and I, which I had no idea that sometimes her parents would bring her to church and leave her there mm. and have her go to Sunday school for like both services. And they would go to like the mall. Um, and really knowing my mom's parents, they probably went to go have mimosas, you know, like they were leaving her by herself, which I have to, every time I tell that part of the story, I have to say, you cannot do that here. Um, so for those of you parents who are like, oh, what a great idea. I'm going to leave my kid for both services. Yeah, sounds kind of nice. And I'm going to yeah. go to brunch. Free not a thing. babysitting. Not a thing. <laughs> nope. Not even close. So my dad grew up Catholic, had just the the quintessential Catholic experience. Um, nothing you do is right. Everything you do is wrong. He went to a Catholic school for a little bit and was not great. And so he got in a lot of trouble, like no grace, no any of that stuff. And um, I've shared before at Collective, my dad still struggles to this day with the things that he learned in, in Catholic church compared to what he has learned in churches like Collective or in through reading the Bible, but it was so ingrained in him. So that was a big part of his life growing up. His parents were Catholic, grandparents were Catholic, all that. But when they had kids, church wasn't ever going to be a part of the, the conversation. And so, you know, weekends were for sports. I played baseball most of my life. Sundays were for football. And we kind of lived that way for a long time. And I like to tell people, like, we, I lived a really jacked up childhood, but we didn't feel like Jesus was the solution. Lots of anger in my house. My dad's an alcoholic. There was drug use with my parents and their friends. And we just kind of grew up in this place. I, like, I have memories of my parents fighting, just like all, all these kind of hard things. I, I think you and I have talked about it where you, you took that class about like the um, indicators of childhood trauma mm-hmm. and there's like 12 of them and or the markers and we hit like 10 of them, you know, 
And so that was my childhood. But even in spite of all of that, like we never felt like we were missing something. This was just normal. You know, this is um, the way that my parents were raised. So they raised us a little bit better, you know, maybe. Um, But it was just dysfunctional. And um, that continued for a while until our neighbors across the street, uh, we got new neighbors who moved in. And we were really sad because the neighbors who left, uh, they were named the Taylors. They had four boys, and me and my brother like played with them all the time. So when these new neighbors moved in, we were uniquely interested in like who's replacing this family that we used to hang out with all the time. And it was uh, the Murray family, and they're from California or from the east, from the West Coast, and they moved out to Northern Virginia, Shant- or Sterling, Virginia, to help be a part of a church plant. And they invited us to church, and we said no. And they invited us to church, said no because we didn't really understand any of it. You know, we didn't know what a church plant was. We didn't know, he was a worship leader. And I was like, I didn't even know what worship was. You know, we had no, I had no context to that. But eventually they invited us to something called the Fall Fun Fest. And um, it was like this all day, free meals, great music, college football on a projector, candy games, all that for the community. And you know, I remember going there and just them treating us really, really, really well. And it was weird, you know, because most of the people in our lives at that point were like, okay, people, but they weren't great people. And all of a sudden we're at this place where these are strangers and they're treating us with dignity and respect and value and, and all that. And so we had this incredible time there. Um, as the story goes, the night ends, I'm on the moon bounce with my brother and this little kid dressed like Buzz Lightyear comes onto the moon bounce and he's clearly never been on a moon bounce before in his life. And he loses his mind bouncing he bumps into me my head goes into my brother's teeth blood everywhere Um, and so I ended up in the hospital that night getting stitches in my head Um, and uh, that was like my first church experience was hospitalization and you know as we were driving home that day my mom asked she turned around in the you know the yellow station wagon we were driving and she said do you guys want to go to church the next morning and it's like the most life-changing question I think I've ever been asked. And my sister and my brother both said yes. They had so much fun at Fall Fun Fest. My dad said yes. Um, I also said yes, but I'll tell people I probably was like concussed. And so like I've got a little bit of an excuse for like jumping on the church train. But we went the next morning and it was definitely not what we expected. You know, it wasn't like what our brain said church was. It met in a middle school the music was great. The preaching was great. It wasn't long. You know, we're talking like an hour, hour and 10 minutes. Um, Jennifer, one of my younger sisters, was in kids at the time, and she loved it. And we just had this really wonderful experience and um, just felt like overwhelmed, I think, by the presence of God in that place, going, oh, my gosh, like there's this incredible thing. And so we we started going. We kept going. My siblings got baptized. My parents got baptized. I got baptized. My aunt and uncle came, um, brought their kids. We started inviting people, got super connected, and really just, like, it started to change our lives. Now, you know, as uh, I've shared before at Collective, you know, when you choose to start following Jesus, what he wants from your life and the life you're living often have this, like, really hard collision. And... What he wanted for our life versus the life that my mom and dad were living, it just had this like chaotic, uh, tumultuous, um, I don't know, collision. And um, my dad ended up having an affair, and my mom kicked him out. And but through all that, 
you know, church ended up being this place that I had friends and I had community and I had um, love and patience and all the things that were absent from my teenage years I got from my friends and and my, you know, adult leaders and small group leaders and stuff like that at church. And so um, as I was getting ready to graduate, I had no desire to go into ministry. Like this wasn't a thing that I I honestly thought I was going to go into business and marketing. I just wanted to do the opposite of my parents. Like I, I remember telling my mom, I just want to make enough money to be able to do the things I want to do because we grew up lacking money. And I was like, I just don't want to be in this position that you guys are in. Um, and I thought Jesus would be a part of my life, but I never thought it would be like a major part. I thought I would go to a church and I would like serve. Yeah. Um, me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's going to be there, but it's not gonna be the thing. Yeah. So, uh, I applied to a few schools. Um, really I was dating a girl at the time who, uh, treated me terribly. I applied to the school she was going to. I applied to the school my best friend was going to, and I applied to like the local big school. I got waitlisted to the school my best friend was going to, um, which really was just I did early enrollment, and then they like deferred me to later. And I was so incredulous about it. I was like, "Screw you guys! I'm not going. I don't want to go there anyways." <laughs> and then um, I didn't get into the school she was going to. Um, because it's a really good school. And then I got into the school I didn't want to go to, like, you know, the safety school thing. And if I took the safety school option, that meant I was going to live at home. And I just so desperately didn't want to live at home. And so I I took a year off during that time. And again, like, (laughs) this is a story for another time. I put my thumb through a table saw um, and I cut it in half. They stitched most of it back together. It didn't come off, though. No, 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 no. No, my boss, when I was, I was in shock, and he brought me to the hospital, he's like, he cut his thumb off. And I was like, what? Like, I just, (laughs) you know, that was not like a, it wasn't even one of those things where I look back, that was my wake-up call. It was like, I was just working, (laughs) like, just doing a job. And during that year, I worked contracting. I worked for the gas company, um, checking meters and lines and stuff, and just kept praying to God, like, okay, God, like, nothing in my life is smooth and nothing is going well. Like, what do you want from me? And in having some conversations, one of my mentors said, actually it was his wife, uh, said, I think you're an idiot uh, for not going into ministry. And I'm like 18. I'm like, I don't even know how you go into ministry. I just, you just like show up and you're like, I'm a minister now. Or, you know, honestly, my, I think my, my thoughts were that like your dad had to do it. And then he just like handed it on down to you that is often the way that it goes. Yeah. So, I mean, in your defense, that's... Yeah. I also, like, I'd only been in church for four years. I loved Jesus, and I love what Jesus was doing in my life, even in the chaos and the storms that we were dealing with. But I didn't understand the church, you know? I, I think maybe if I understood, I just knew a little bit about Catholicism, and I knew priests couldn't get married or have sex. So it was, like, not interesting. <laughs> like, that is not... I don't think that's my future. Um, again, like not knowing beyond the small pieces of, of church life that, that I'd experienced or heard about or read about or whatever. And so I kind of made a compromise with God that I would do a Christian school, but I wouldn't do ministry. And, um, you all listening to the podcast can clearly understand that that didn't work because you can't really compromise with God. So I applied to three schools, uh, three Christian schools that people that I knew um, and loved had gone to, and they said, hey, this was really important in my life. I think this would be good in your life too. I prayed to God, and I just said, God, I I need money because, like, we're so poor. Like, my parents can't afford college. This is all going to be on me. 
whichever school gives me the most money, that's the school I'm going to. And I applied to Milligan and like a month later, they got back to me and they're like, here's an academic scholarship, which is insane because I'm pretty sure my GPA is the reason why I didn't get into those other schools. Um, it was not great. I slacked off a lot in high school, all indicators of, of things that were going on in my life. Um, but they gave me an academic scholarship and then they gave me like a leadership scholarship. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to Milligan. And um, I'd never been. Uh, I'd never been to Tennessee before. I didn't know where Johnson City was. Uh, I just knew this college existed and they were giving me scholarships. And so um, my mom and I drove down in June before school started and I picked my classes and I picked all business classes because I still had the plan of I'm going to go to a Christian college and I'm going to love Jesus and I'm going to make good decisions here. Um, but also I'm not going to do ministry things. I'm just going to get a Christian education. So what's funny about that is that I always said I would never marry a preacher. It's too many expectations on me, too much pressure. Like I don't, I don't want that kind of responsibility. Like who am I to be a pastor's wife, yeah. you know, it's like this role. Um, and then my dad was a businessman and, you know, because I was a teenager and rebellious and I don't want anything to do with what my parents did, I always said, I'll never marry a businessman <laughs> because I don't want to marry someone yeah. who's like my dad. And then um, you were in school for business and Essentially, then yeah. ended up going to school for ministry yeah. and now we're married. Yeah. I actually always said I will never get married and I will never have kids. It is not yeah. a thing that I want to yeah, do. I wanted true. my independence a lot. Yeah. Like independence was really important to me, but here we are. Yeah. So I ended up at Milligan marketing major declared. Um, I went to church that Sunday before class that had ever started. And I went to the biggest church in the area. Um, the one that like everyone down there, was like, oh my gosh, this is the best church here. So I was like, okay, let's go to this church. It just wasn't great. And there were tons of people there. But I showed up in shorts and a T-shirt and some flip-flops. And I think at the time maybe I had one or two tattoos. And uh, people stared a lot. And I felt very judged. And I felt very unwelcome. Um, I felt like people looked at me as if I was someone seeking out Jesus because my life was awful versus somebody who had been baptized and, you know, lived in grace and, and all these things. And then while we were there, they were doing music. Uh, it didn't, wasn't on a screen. It wasn't, it, I don't even, I don't think it was a band. I think it was like maybe a choir with like an acoustic guitar or something. And um, people pulled out a bunch of books and started singing songs. And I thought they were singing from the Bible. And I picked up, I brought my Bible with me, my duct tape Bible that I had from high school and I'm trying to find this song that they're singing and I can't find it. And I had no idea that they were hymnals. I didn't know what a hymnal was. Uh, then the preacher preached for about 60 minutes, talked about things that I'd never heard of before. And I felt awful, like awful. And I felt like I was a fraud in my faith. I felt like um, these were Christian people and I wasn't. I'm, I'm not sure why my brain went there, like where it's like, oh, these are good Christians and I'm not an actual Christian or I don't love Jesus the way they love Jesus because I don't have a collared shirt on. And I felt just like so, I guess insecure is probably the right word, but I just, I did not feel good about it. And I went back and I sat down with one of my roommates, Curtis Teal, who preaches here every once in a while. And 
Um, I said, man, I just went to church and it was not great. I explained to him all the things and he said to me, he's like, Hey man, like you go to a good church and, um, you're really lucky. And I had no idea the differences between, again, outside of like Catholic and what I grew up in. So I didn't know there were like different flavors of church, different styles of church. They do worship different ways. I just knew that like my home church was my home church and I didn't know it was a great church. Like I just thought it was, I thought all churches were as great as the church that I started going to when I was in middle school. And Curtis was like, no, man, like you go to a really, really, really wonderful church. And uh, classes started that Wednesday. So that Monday I walked to my academic advisor, Dr. Roberts, who was a Bible professor, by the way, which like, if I was a marketing major, why did they give me Dr. Roberts? (laughs) Um, And so I sat down with Dr. Roberts and I said, hey, I I think I need to change my major to pastoral ministry. He said, well, don't you want to do youth? Because most people do youth first. And I said, no. I think God's telling me to plant a church one day. And so he worked with me for the first two years. I got a new advisor the second two years to take as many classes as I could um, that I that we believed would help plant a church one day. And so like from class one, it was, I think, ministry, but only if it's planting churches that reach people like my family. You know, I, I didn't want to do the typical church. I wanted places where when my parents were going through their divorce and when they were going through, um, working through the affairs and all that. And when they, to be honest, like we're not, we're trying to work on it, but weren't really working on it. Like they both still were going to the church that my family was a part of. They sat on different sides, but that church showed them both grace and truth. Um, and it didn't end in this great story where they reconcile and everything's happy. And it's like their testimony. It's, it, it was, it ended messy. It's still messy, you know? Um, but my, my church never told them not to come. And it was like, okay, that's the type of church that, that I feel like God's calling me to start. And so, so when we met, well, we met millions of times, but when we started dating our freshman year, you knew, and I was very, I think very clear on, I think this is what God is calling me to do. And you joked that you would never marry a preacher. I wasn't joking. I was, yeah, I, I was serious. Yeah. <laughs> so either, either you didn't think our relationship I did not think our relationship was going to would make last. it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, he's really cute. Yeah. I like him. Let's date. I'm not like getting into a dating relationship my freshman year of college thinking I'm going to fall in love and get married with this guy sure. because like I said, I was never going to get married. I was never going to have kids. Like that was not something that I wanted for my life. And so I dated you cuz you were cute and I liked you. And then I fell in love with you. Yeah, and jokes I, on me. <laughs> I was like, no. If we're doing this, we're doing it right. You were so intense. You've always been intense. intense. Yeah. I don't go into things halfway. No, you do not. Which is why we broke up for a short time when we first started dating. Because I was like, this is too much. Like, he's very intense. But I missed you a lot. (laughs) Hold on. I just need to clarify. This is an intense, like flowers on your doorstep like oh my gosh I'm so in love with you it was it was not that you're just serious yeah you were very like you were very serious about it and I was not really serious about anything yeah um at that time of my life yeah and so I was you know I I think like you knew oh yeah before I did that it was more than just a fling. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I was ready for more than just a fling. I know that I was not ready for more than just a fling. And so um, we had like kind of started talking 
not really dating. I don't know what you call it. Kids, I don't know what kids call it well, these days. Yeah. No, I mean, we we became friends. We became really good friends yeah. our freshman year. And I, like, took you home for my birthday. Oh my you met all my family. Yeah. She's like, come home for my birthday. And I was like, this is it. We're I just, start dating. She's yeah. like, here's my friend Michael, friend zone. Yeah, you were very friend zone. Meet at my that grandma. Time. We're just friends. And then my grandma threatened that if I didn't date you, she was going to. Grandma Nanny. That is not what made me date you. Are you sure, though? It might have been. I was worried. She was she, pretty aggressive. She was going to swoop right in yeah. and steal you from Yeah, me. your Aunt Sass did the same thing. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. At Alicia's wedding. <laughs> if you don't marry this guy, I will. And I was like, I'm very uncomfortable. I'm 20. <laughs> we were already engaged then. I don't think that's true. Yeah, we were. Were we? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> you also, you say the word fling. Literally, it's just like you weren't interested. You were interested in just like having a boyfriend. Yeah, like I mean, it. I wasn't, wasn't even really interested in having a boyfriend. I just like I was young and I liked boys. And so I thought, well, this boy's interested in me. Let me just date him for a while. And this boy's interested in me. Let me just date him for a while. I mean, I was 18, 19 yeah. years old. Like, that's what you do. Yeah. And you met me and you're like, this boy's chaotic. No, I thought this boy's cute. And then I got to know you and I was like, oh, it's, it's a little, and you know, it's intense. It's, it's funny, though, that you... I, it's hard to paint the picture because, like, I think in our head we have, like, an image and we're trying to explain this on a podcast. When she's like, oh, I think this guy was cute. It wasn't like I was like, yo, what's up? I'm Michael. I'm literally sitting in the corner of our cafeteria with, like, a hood on and headphones oh, on at lunch because yeah. I don't want to talk to people. Yeah. And so well, you it were was a the mystery. Cha- yeah, you were a challenge. Was I was, was like, ooh, this this boy seems angry and he's got these pretty blue eyes. I should. I was very, like, emo yeah. at that time, too. It was yeah. a, lot of, yes. yeah. a lot of emo music and you know, crying to dashboard yeah. confessional. Oh in my yeah, car. a lot of uh, aim away messages. Yes, very emotional yep. away messages directed at who knows Me. who, but mostly Me. you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I think there was like the the draw of like the challenge that you were, but also sure. like the mystery and you were angsty and I was feeling angsty and yeah. So I Perfect wanted match. to. We were such a good match. We were both very angsty. We were both super healthy. Two angsty and people thrown together. You know, people have shared on the podcast, like um, married couples have, have talked and they just like, I saw this person. God was telling me. And I think like for us, it wasn't like we didn't have this moment. Uh, we just became really good friends. And I know for me, I remember thinking, I think this is the type of person I want to be with because... I enjoy being with them and being an introvert, um, also not being someone who at that time of life, especially like I really, en- I didn't really enjoy people at the time. I, I had a lot of trust issues, a lot of anger issues, um, just a- holding on to a lot of pain and bitterness. And like there, I have these like good friendships with some of my roommates and then you, and it's like, oh man, I want to be around these people forever. Cause there's this like group of three or four people that um, I actually like being around. And as an introvert, what people don't understand is, you know, I get my energy from being alone, but there are really great relationships even to this day that I have where even though it's social, when I leave, I feel good. And again, at 19, I didn't understand that. But, you know, with my roommates, my friends, and, um, you know, we've shared on the podcast, CT just shared his story. Chris shared it back. I think episodes like eight, nine, and 10, these were people in my life where I was like, I leave being with these people even though it was like incredibly social. And I'm like, I feel really great. I feel free and I feel light. And I was like, oh, I think these are the people I want to be around. And, and you were one of those people. So it was like, well, I want to be around her and she's a girl. 
so we should date. Yeah, and for me, I feel like we became friends because I, you know, I had dated a lot of guys casually before that, and I always felt like I was performing, like I had to be a certain way, and like conversation was difficult, and I had to like think of things to talk about, and like hanging out with you was always so easy. I never felt like I had to be anybody, like I could just be who I was. You were easy to talk to. I appreciate that. Yeah. In my angsty emo 19-year-old self uh, who probably just quoted like Linkin Park and Eminem all the time. Um, But yeah, so we started dating our freshman year. It was pretty quick before we like spent time apart. And again, like I think for me it was a little bit easier to understand because I just had like a very volatile home life. Um, That first summer when I went home, me and my mom just fought constantly. I hated being home. But we were apart and we're like, oh man, like we miss each other a ton. Not yeah. just like your casual, like, oh, I wish they were around, let's do phone calls. But like, man, I don't I don't want to stop being around you. I know that you were the first person I ever spent time away from and missed and like wished that I was back with. I like, I don't know that there's now my children I feel that way about. Sure, but yeah. prior to you and our children, there's nobody that I think, man, I really wish I was with that person. Yeah. Sorry to everybody who is my friend. No, I do love no, you. It's you're just, not better than me. Yeah, you're not, they're not. I think so. I, well, I tend to, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And I like yeah. forget that people are there, but I never forgot you. I always remembered yeah. that I missed you. Yeah. And so when we got back to school that sophomore year, you know, we're in full swing of dating mode. Um, I'm still like head on toward ministry. And I remember it was probably our sophomore year talking to you about church planting and you, I was like, you know, I grew up in a church plant. Um, I don't think at that point you had been to like the church that I grew up in. No. Cause you were, you went home and I went home yeah. and my parents were living in Chattanooga yeah. at that time. So we didn't see each other that whole summer. Yeah. And I remember talking to you about church planting and you were like, I have no idea what that is. Yeah, I'd never even heard the word before. Yeah. Like churches just existed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of our like sophomore year was me. I think we I think you came home with me during one of the breaks mm-hmm. and I brought you to my home church, um, which at the time was in its own building in the sportsplex. They was, own, it, was it already yeah, there? Yeah. Oh. And then we also like visited a few church plants in the area. Um, there's one in Asheville at the Orange Peel, um, which was a bar, um, which was awesome. Great, great venue. And it smelled like beer. It did smell like beer. And the kids were in the like the uh, the bar area. That's like where their kids space was. And they were like screaming the entire time. Yeah. I was like, this they is were a cool like venue. back in the back uh-huh. while preaching was happening. Yeah, the venue was cool. But the mood, right. I was very distracted. Yeah, Maybe this isn't it. Yeah. But <laughs> for you. Like when we got engaged, um, we got engaged our sophomore year. Um, we actually went to Europe that summer on a 30-day trip, and I proposed in the Louvre um, because you were an artist, and I proposed in front of a painting by one of your favorite artists. That I, Yeah, because I had been to Paris in mm-hmm. high school and on a trip with my French class, and I had told you about it, yeah. and you remembered it and found that same yeah. hallway and proposed to me yeah. there. It was very romantic. Yeah, it was not smooth. Uh, well, yeah, because our okay. our friend Josh was there. <laughs> he had, like, found we went. Oh, and oh, my gosh, I slept in that morning. Yeah, that was. Oh, so my roommates and I had overslept that morning. 
I had been to Paris before and being the independent person that I am was like, I know my way around here. And so I took them on like a tour of the places that I loved. Meanwhile, Michael's panicking because he doesn't know that we're meeting. And this was like pre-cell phones. Mm. Like, you know, we had to find internet cafes to send emails home at that time. So he couldn't just text me and be like, hey, where are you? But we had you know, because we overslept, we had said, we'll just meet up with you guys at the Louvre later. But Michael didn't know that. So he's panicking. And I'm just like, traipsing around Paris, eating pastries on the Champs-Elysees. And and I'm (laughs) freaking out. Michael's freaking out. So we find them at the Louvre, which was good, because I'm not sure how we found you guys. You know, Michael's like dragging me as fast as he can through the museum. And I'm like, hey, can we stop and look at some no, paintings? No, Lisa sucks. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, I've got to play a specific hallway. Like, we got to find this hallway. Yeah. Um, and so we find the hallway, and we're sitting there, and you probably were just about to do it. And our friend Josh plops down next to me and says, hey, guys. And I was like, I need you to leave. And he's such a good friend. We're still so close. I was like, hey, man, I need you to go away. And he was like, Okay, and he just got and up and left. left, like he didn't fight it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I proposed and uh, got that on one knee in the middle of the Louvre, and it was this really surreal moment because you know, in your brain, when you like see those Hallmark movies, everybody stops and everybody mm-hmm. cheers, and I don't think anybody noticed. Nobody it noticed. Just us. It was just you and me. Yeah. So yeah. we get engaged our sophomore year. We knew we were gonna stay engaged for a few years, which it's kind of another podcast to talk about like long engagements versus getting married right away. We both wanted to finish college first. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the married life in college, at least at Milligan seemed awful. Right. Yeah. Cause like the dorms were for married couples were terrible. And, um, we, we knew we weren't ready, but we knew that we wanted to, to be together. And, and for me, it was like, I, I'm never gonna have an opportunity like this to ask you to marry me in, the, in, in a, such a meaningful place. And, but you know, a big part of it was like at that point, when we get back our junior year, for me, the ministry stuff is kicking into high gear. Like I am taking all ministry classes. I was, a you know, planning on a summer internship at a church, you know, it was a full go. And so for you, I guess, you know, what I want the listeners to to learn is like, all right, so at that point, ministry is the thing. How did you feel about that? I kind of felt like that was your thing, and I was very supportive of it, and I was like on board with what you wanted to do. Um, We had visited different church plants, so like I knew that the church that you wanted to the churches you wanted to work at and the church that you wanted to eventually create would be different than the churches that I grew up in. Um, But I do remember us having like a number of, I won't say fights, but like arguments for sure about like, I cannot be that person. Like I am not a a preacher's wife. I don't want to be held to these higher standards. I don't want expectations put on me. Like I, I'm a screw up. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not the person that people look to for advice on how they should be living. Like this is not who I am. Um, And so that was something that I always really struggled with. And I think like as our relationship matured and as you like, you know, as we got older, after we got married and everything, like you, 
you have always been really good about reassuring me that like I can be whoever I need to be and I don't have to live up to anybody else's expectations. And I think you probably said that to me at the time, but I, you know, I had grown up in the church and yeah. like the pastor's wife was like, ooh, you yeah. know, <laughs> such, a, such an important person and she's so wise. And I'm like, I'm not wise. I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm 20 years old, 21 years old. Um, I've made so many bad decisions. Like I'm, I'm not the person that can be a pastor's wife. Like that just felt too big yeah. for me. Well, and there, you spent some time in Baptist churches, which they have like that quintessential church ends and the pastor and like the pastor's wife, they sit at the doors and they like shake the hands of every person who leaves and yeah. they like kiss cheeks and stuff like that. Well, and it all felt so political, you know, yeah. and in that like you had to like schmooze. And yeah. I mean, if anyone, if you know me, you know, I'm a terrible liar and I am not a schmoozer yeah. and I don't know how to like act a certain way. I'm awkward and weird and... I say the wrong thing all the time. <laughs> and so I knew that like I could not I couldn't be that person. Like I couldn't put on a yeah. pretty smile and shake all the hands and say the right thing to this person and then go over here and say the right thing to this person and you know, do the things. <laughs> yeah, and I, it's funny too because like my church experience was a complete opposite. Yeah. Where like I didn't go to a church where that happened and so I remember like some of the fears and like insecurities of you I'm like I don't understand what you're talking about because I didn't have the context of like that happens in church and you know I, I say this all the time to like my staff and stuff I, I feel like I'm luckier because I didn't have the weird church culture negative church experience growing up I, I just had four years of portable lost people being found fun church before college and then in college I think I went to we counted at one point it was like 40 plus churches that I attended or when we got married and moved back to Tennessee, we attended together because we just couldn't find a church that was good, to be honest. Like, and it's not to say that like they weren't teaching, some of them weren't teaching the gospel, but the ones that were, they just didn't fit us. And like our desire for lost people and broken people and vulnerability and all that stuff. And so, so yeah, like we, um, we talked a lot about this and you know, one of the hard things about ministry, and it's weird and, and it's kind of unfair, is typically when you're in ministry, um, your spouse has to like go with your flow. And a lot of the decisions that came after we got married was you being good and patient and kind to me as I tried to figure out how to get into ministry, right? And so we get married. It helped that I did not know what yeah, I was doing yeah, with my life. Yeah. So I was like, sure, whatever you want. Like, yeah. I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> yeah, we we graduated. or I, You graduated December of 2018. I graduated May of 2019. You graduated early because um, you'd spent some time in Delaware, took some classes, all that. And then so when I graduated... We got married six days later. We actually caravanned with like 40 of our closest friends down to the beach. And we did essentially beach week. We rented this massive house so big that you could play hide and seek in it. We get married. We have this great time. We go on our honeymoon, which was a great honeymoon. The beginning of the honeymoon was a disaster. And we moved to Cleveland, Ohio together. I did my um, summer internship in Cleveland at a church called Momentum. The pastor's wife who told me, I think you're dumb for not going into ministry. They planted a church. And so I was like, okay, 
you challenged me to go into ministry. Now it's your responsibility to give me a job. <laughs> and so we moved up there. I had to fundraise my salary, which I failed miserably at. My family didn't have friends at the time. Like once my parents separated after the affairs, um, we had no like family friends, like a few. And um, you didn't grow up going to church. Correct. And so you didn't have like that church home yep. that you could ask for money from. Yep. And so I, I mean, I think I maybe made like eight grand that year. Um, most of it came from your family. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Just your, your uh, moms, your aunts and your cousins who uh, have, for whatever reason, from the very beginning, jumped on the Michael being in ministry train. Well, they um, fell in love with you that time I brought true, you true. home. Yeah. They're like, well, we can't marry him, so we're going to give him money. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we spent about a year and a half in Cleveland, and it was a pretty good experience. We made friends there, some people that we still love dearly. The ministry portion was good. I was I did creative arts, so like I didn't do like real pastoral ministry. Um, the church was fun and exciting and good things were happening. And we got to the end and I learned how to do lights at that church. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, we loved it, but we knew that even though we felt like God brought us there, like it wasn't the long term. Neither of us loved Ohio. Well, and I had decided to go not just to Christian school, but I only looked at Christian schools in the South. Cause I was like, I never want to live somewhere that snows ever yep. again. Cause I had lived all over the North and I hated the cold and yeah. I hated the snow. Yeah. So like during that year and a half, you worked at Starbucks because you weren't 100% sure what you wanted to do for a career. And we got to the end and I remember us trying to figure out, okay, what comes next? Thinking maybe a job offer, like a full-time job offer would come and it didn't. So we got uh, the funding essentially to go through an assessment for church planters um, and we, we didn't think we were going to plant right away. So it was like, this is easy. Let's go through this. And um, I think it was a good experience. There wasn't a ton of pressure. Um, so it was like, yeah, let's just go get assessed. And we graded out really well. And they just were like, yeah, like we think you can plant a church one day, but you're not looking to do it now. So just go on to the next thing. And um, we were actually asked to start a church in Ohio, um, specifically they wanted us to start what's called a missional community, which is like not a t traditional like Sunday morning church, but they're like, you should start a coffee shop that like is a church. And I remember I was like, one, I, at the time was like, I hate coffee. <laughs> I don't drink anything coffee wise. Two, I took one math class in college and you want me to run a business. Three, like I'm not a people person. Like, you know, and I was still trying to figure out like, okay, God, you, you're calling me to this, but like. I still don't like people. I still don't like people. <laughs> like the skill, I don't have the skills. So. We turned down that opportunity. We turned down the opportunity um, to raise salary again to work in a new church plant that was planting on the uh, west side of Cleveland with some of our friends. And we up and moved to Johnson City again. Mm -hmm. And I did well, uh, and during that time when we weren't really sure what was coming next, I had like a conversation, I think, with Maggie Wells. Yeah. And she had just started teaching. And I don't know what we talked about, but something about what she said like resonated with me. And I thought, I, I think I would like to do this. And I had toyed with the idea while yeah. we were in college and, and decided not to do it because um, I had toyed with being an English teacher. Yeah. And then I realized I, I do like the idea of teaching. I do think that this is something that I would be good at, but I would like to teach art and not English. Yeah. 
And so I applied to grad school at Milligan, and they were like, "Hey, can you come next yeah, week?" Yeah, my gosh. <laughs> and we were like, "Oh, we have to, we have to move. We're not living in yeah. Tennessee." And so I postponed coming because that was in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, "Hey, you can start summer classes if you come next week." And I was like, "Wow, I didn't think it would be this easy to get accepted. So cool." But I I took the GRE and I scored really well. And I had gone to school there. I'd actually worked in the education office as my work study when I was in college. And so they knew me. My scores were great. My grades from college were excellent. Um, and so they were like, hey, come on next yeah. week. And we were like, we can't come yet because we have to move. So we ended up um, like just working at Starbucks that summer, just me. And then we moved in the fall and I started grad school. Yeah. And at the time, I had a job offer from one of the bigger churches down there to go and do media and which was really exciting. Um, I didn't think I had the skills to do it at like the fullest scale, but I had more skills than what most people had at the time. You yeah. learned a lot at the church in Ohio. Yeah. yeah, so it was like, this is like 2010, fall 2010. So like I, I definitely knew more than what most churches had as a staff. And so we're like, okay, like this is not church planting. It's also in an area where pretty much everybody goes to church. I think statistically speaking, it's like 70% of people in Johnson City would call themselves evangelical Christians or mainline Christians, uh, meaning non-Catholic, non-faith. And so I was like, these aren't the type of people we want to be around, but you know, a job opportunity and a grad school opportunity. And we moved and it was like a week in where my friend uh, who had gotten me the interview and gotten me the all but guaranteed job was like, hey, something's going on in this church. There's a shakeup coming. And so you're, you will not get a job here. Um, that was pretty devastating. Um, I didn't think we were moving Johnson to Johnson city for like my calling, but I thought what a great opportunity for a few years. It seemed perfect. Like I can go to grad school, still work at Starbucks. You can do ministry, even though it's not planting a church yet, continue to get experience. Like, I mean, it just felt so like everything was lined up and then it just fell apart. And uh, while we were there, um, I, I think we tried, we'd already, you know, we went to college there, so we tried like 20 churches in college. And I remember us trying a few more. And um, January, the first Sunday in January, that next year, we went to a church plant um, in Johnson City. And we showed up on their website. They said church started at 10. So we showed up at 10. Uh, church did not start until 1030. And the first 30 minutes were quote unquote social. Um, and I remember sitting in the seats and this couple came up to us and was like, oh, you know, how'd you guys hear about us? And we're like, well, you know, we've lived in Johnson City before. We, you know, love church planting. And so we heard this church plant. And they're like, oh, did you go to ETSU? And we're like, no. And they're like, oh, did you go to the well, which was like a college age ministry? And we're like, no, we don't do that. And they're like, oh, did you work at Doe River Gorge, which was like a local camp? We're like, no. And they literally got up from their seats and walked away from us and went to another side of the room where the, the seats were. And it was awful. Um, the sermon, the preacher preached this sermon. They were, we found out they weren't a church plant. They were a split, um, which I'll soapbox all day long. A split is not a church plant. I don't care if they started it new. If some, if you go to a church, one, you should always ask people, where did this church come from? And if they say, oh yeah, we were part of another church and we started this one, you need to ask where you sent or is there issues? Because I've never seen a church that starts from a split that doesn't carry that toxicity throughout the history of that church, which is ironic because eventually I worked at a church again, didn't know it came from a split and it was awful. Well, it's like, it's, it's founded on this bitterness and this hurt. 
And I feel like that permeates the culture, yeah. whether they want it to or not. Yeah, and that's this guy preached a sermon and he talked about, you know, you know that other church. And everyone's like, ha, 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 ha. And we're like, what is happening? And I remember us getting into the car and we drove to lunch and we cried. And I was not like crying a lot at that stage of life. And we both were just like, why are we here? And it, it felt very much like the desert where we had this reality that we're going to be in church. We're going to be in Johnson city for the next few years. And we don't have a church home that we can go to. We eventually settled for one of the local churches for a little while that like was good. And then I was like, I can't go here anymore because they, in my opinion, taught baptism incorrectly where it wasn't like, Hey, this is something that all Christians are called to do. It was like, yeah, if you want to do it. And it's like, that is not at all what the Bible says about baptism. Jesus did it. He said, I need to do what God required of me. Jesus's command before he gets crucified is go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey my commandments. And I was like, I can't be in a church that takes this like incredibly beautiful thing that we get to share in Jesus with death, burial and resurrection and like makes it passive and optional and all that. Cause I don't think it's one of those things that's optional. I think scripture makes it very clear. If you come to faith, baptism should be a part of it. And if you came to faith a long time ago, you need to make that decision. And so I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I wouldn't teach this in a church. So therefore I can't, I can't attend this in a church. And so uh, we kind of stopped going to church. Uh, and by kind of, I mean, we did, we stopped going to church Yes. and we had great community. We had great friends who loved Jesus. And so we didn't stray from our faith. We just kind of lost hope in the church as an entity, um, at least in that area. And it was hard. It was really hard. Just the other night, like for whatever reason, we're going back to like old voicemails that we like, you'd, you know, I'd, I'd shared or I'd, I'd left for on your phone. And most of them are from that time of our life where I was working in a hotel, which stole my soul completely. You, um, you were not made for customer service. No, I was a front desk manager. <laughs> that is not your forte. Oh, goodness. Um, I, I think I learned a lot in collective. I brought that into collective, which is why I think our guest experience here is so strong. Is because I learned a lot through, through working at a Hilton hotel. Um, but I had a job I hated, and I mostly worked nights. You were in grad school and mostly worked mornings. Yeah. And we, for like a year and a half, barely were saw each barely. Other. Yeah. Which is good because our apartment was about 400 <laughs> square feet. And I said to Michael that when we both stood up at the same time, I felt like it was too small. Like there was not enough room for us both yeah. to stand up at the same time. I think we sat down and had dinner together in that house like twice. Yeah. Our apartment. It was not a home. It was just a place where we it slept. It was temporary. And we always knew that Tennessee would be temporary. And so I think it was easier for us to say, well, we don't need to work to find a church here because we're not going to stay here. Yep. And this job sucks, but it's temporary and, yep. and we'll end up going somewhere else. Because we knew that church planting was still somewhere yeah. far on the horizon. Yeah. We just didn't know what what we needed to do to get there. Yeah. So Johnson City ended. I applied to a few jobs, um, specifically uh, Curtis, my best friend, was working at a church in Glen Burnie, Maryland, and he was like, yo, we need a creative person. I was like, that's what I feel comfortable doing right now. Um, so I applied for that job. There are a few other openings that I did not apply for because I was too afraid to apply for them, even though you and everyone else was like, dude, you should apply for these jobs. Because mm-hmm. we definitely felt like Maryland, Virginia was where we were supposed to be. Understanding church planting and how hard this area is and how much this area devours church plants 
it was like, well, it's not going to devour me because I'm from there, you know? And it's mostly people that like grew up in Florida. They're like, you know what? I'm going to plant a church in DC. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's crazy here. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's so mean. <laughs> Why is it so busy? Um, and for me growing up here, I was like, no, I feel like this is where God wants me to be because like I uniquely understand this area. And so um, I applied for that job in Glen Burnie. There were a lot of red flags. Um, the first red flag was we visited and I said to you, I wouldn't go to this church, but I feel like God's calling us to Maryland in ministry. So therefore, I think he's telling us to take this job. Um, well, and, and we had spent so long in Cleveland and then in Johnson City, Tennessee, being so poor. Yeah. I mean, we were just so poor. Like me working at Starbucks was not enough income. I was making under $20,000 a year. Um, and in those areas, it was cheap to live, so it was it was livable, but it, yeah. we weren't living well. We weren't, like, putting away savings or anything like that. And so the idea that you could have, like, a full-time job making a steady income was so yeah. appealing. Because, I mean, at that point, neither of us had ever had a full-time like a job. Legit full-time job. Yeah, like, and I was, I was going to get a teaching job because I had just graduated with my teaching degree. Yeah. And so, like, the, just the, the security of both of us having a full-time job, it was, it was too much yeah. for us to pass up, yeah. even though we saw all these red flags. Yeah, and, 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 and very clearly, like, I remember telling you, I don't think God's telling us to take this job, but I don't know what God is telling us, so therefore I'm going to take this job. Yeah. So we moved up there. Um, we just we felt like we just needed a way to get to Maryland. Yeah. And we, this seemed like the way. We didn't know of any other way. Yeah, and the first Sunday we're there, they call us, I think both of us, up on stage, right? And they're like, this is Michael. He's our yes. new pastor of involvement. This is his wife, Ray. Which I don't like being on stage. Yeah, you make that clear every time I ask you to be on stage. <laughs> twice. You've done it twice. Um, I hate it. And then they're like, hey, will you go stand in the lobby? And we get to the lobby, and the church is like probably five or 600 people, and we get into the lobby, and it's just supposed to be meet and greet. And it's literally like baggage. And it's every angry person in the church coming up to me going, I don't think we should go portable. I don't want to push bins. We have these groups, and we need to change this. And I want to do this group, and I want to do this group. And at some point, like I, <laughs> it's kind of like um, what wolves do to like bison in the wild, where like that they start pushing the one out of the herd, and then they like attack and like, before I knew it, you and I were not standing next to each other. Mm-hmm. We had been like separated from each other. I'm surrounded by a bunch of people telling me all the things that they hate about this church. And you have a person who's just like floodlighting you mm-hmm. immensely, just sharing everything they hate about the church and what they need. And they're telling you. Well, so she, it was, it wasn't that, it wasn't her sharing what she hated about the church. She was just sharing with me like, all the crap that she was going through and it was it was this moment where i was like this is the thing that i didn't want like this these this exactly in this moment is the fruition of or the fulfillment of all of Mm -hmm. those fears that i had about being a pastor's wife where i do not have the wisdom to guide this woman through whatever issues she's going through i don't know what any of this stuff like i don't know the answers to any of her problems and she's just like and you know and then this happened and then this happened and this is how i'm feeling and i eventually like found 
another of the pastors that were there and was like, hey, can you talk to this woman? But like that was really hard for me because I I felt like it was like, I told you, I told you I didn't want this. And I told you that I could not be this person who like counsels people in the lobby and has all the right words to say and knows the answers to things. I mean, I'm 20 three, 24 years old. And this woman was in her fifties probably. And I, I don't know. I don't understand what she's going through. I've been through nothing. I have been through nothing. I'm a child. Um, I don't have wisdom. I barely know what I'm doing in my own faith. I can't counsel this woman in her faith and what she needs. And so that was really hard. Yeah. And I remember you got in the car, you cried and I said, we just have to do this for like three years and then we get to plan a church. <laughs> uh, and I remember saying that and thinking, what a terrible, terrible approach to this. Understanding God differently now, I don't think God asked us to be, I think God told us not to be there. And if we chose to be there for three years, like it was us, it was kind of like the Israelites had happened to them where God says, go fight these people. And like, but God, we don't want to fight. And God's like, the, the opposite of fighting is exile for 40 years and the Israelites chose not to fight and then they end up in exile then they're mad at God and God's like I told you to fight like I told you not only fight but I'll be with you and I'll go ahead of you like you're gonna get victory in this battle and that was kind of us where like instead of me applying for the job that I was scared to apply for because I was afraid of rejection because I'd experienced so much in my life I applied for the job that I knew wasn't the right fit and it was like it's cool let's just do three years of exile here and it lasted six months (laughs) I was so angry. <laughs> and again, like we we did find good people there. You know, you kept serving on production, which the production team just full of just these incredible people that we were really good friends with. But about six months in, I, I just was miserable. I was unhappy. They were doing like a rebrand of the church and they wanted to create a new mission statement, new vision. And the church didn't know what the old one was. And there was a lot of change happening. You know, you could tell there was a lot of infighting on the staff, especially at the higher level elders who didn't act as elders. Um, again, all things like we didn't understand at the time that were like, this is super toxic. It was like, something's wrong here. I don't know what's wrong here. And then of course, like me, not very healthy at the time, you know, no therapy, really not working through any of the things I'd gone through in my life. I just started getting angry and every staff meeting was a fight. Some of it was good because it was me challenging us as a team to actually do what we're saying we're doing and some of it was just bitterness and anger and all that and about seven months in six seven months in I sat down I got called into a meeting with the lead pastor the associate pastor and one elder and that to me should have been the clue that this is an unhealthy church I'm going into a meeting where I'm getting fired and the associate pastor's there not an equal you know a dude that like on paper wasn't my boss you know on paper we we were side by side different areas and um, they're like, hey, we think you're great. We love you, but we don't think this is the right fit. Um, the overseer who was there, his name's Woody, um, and he loved me, and he's crying, and he goes, I disagree with this decision, but I have to do what the lead pastor says. Mm-hmm. And, like, again, all things now leading collective, it's like, wow, I hope we never function that way. They gave us a few months severance. They gave me a, an NDA, which is a nondisclosure agreement, which meant we couldn't talk about it. And... It was within about 30 minutes, we started getting text messages from our friends from that church who were very mad at us because the associate pastor was calling them and specifically my leaders and telling them that I quit. And to be honest, like we don't have any of those friendships anymore. That hurt. Um, there were people that we were really close to that, that 
honestly, we thought one day we'd plant a church and maybe they'd come with us or they'd support us. And they choked us out of our community. I remember telling you and telling Curtis, who was still on staff at the time, Curtis actually quit that church because of how they treated us, um, which is why he's one of those crew people in my life. I remember telling you, I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm done with ministry. This is just too hard. Like, to fail to raise a salary and to not have any support from the church financially during that season, to not get a job offer at the end, to leave to go to Tennessee, to try a bunch of churches that just aren't healthy churches or aren't reaching lost people or judged us because we had tattoos or whatever it was, and then to end up in Glen Burnie where to this day the irony is they still have the groups system and the team system that I created, and I'm actually friends with the new lead pastor. Eventually that lead pastor, the associate pastor ends up getting fired. Like six months later, the lead pastor ends up going on sabbatical and never coming back, right? So like that for me, looking at that going, oh, the church was clearly unhealthy. It still hurts, you know? And now the lead pastor there and I are actually like friends, um, which is weird. And they still do a lot of the stuff that we create. So it wasn't like the ministry wasn't good. It was just me. And I remember I was like, all right, well, that's it. This has been way too hard already. There we were, no kids, not in ministry, and you were teaching. And so I went back to school and I got my master's degree in English and specifically writing because I was like, I'm just going to be a teacher. Uh, I want to make a difference and therefore I'm going to be an educator. You didn't like that I had a master's degree and you Yeah, didn't. that's really what it was. I just wanted us to, I just couldn't stand that you're smarter than me. <laughs> um, we began looking for a church to attend because you knew that was important. And we showed up at Mosaic Christian Church in Elkridge. And what we're going to do right here is um, we're going to pause and we're going to end episode one because this is kind of the turning point in our story of church planting and life. And it doesn't get easier, which I'll, I'll kind of give you the warning of. But when we started attending Mosaic, it was this point where we realized, no, we can still do this. So we're just going to stop now. Come back next week. Listen to part two of how did we get from really being done with ministry to what is this beautiful, incredible church called Collective. And so thank you for listening to your Story Matters podcast. We'll talk to you next week.